Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I do this all the time. In fact, um, there's a, a word that you probably have heard, and it's called, um, it's, the word is uh, Amazonnesia. And what it is, is Amazonnesia is when you order so much from Amazon that when stuff comes to your doorstep, you get there and you can't remember what it is that you ordered. And that happens to us all the time. And in this, in this world that we live in today, it used to be that you had to go to the, to the mall or you had to go to a department store and something would catch your eye and you buy it. Now you can be sitting in your car, hopefully not driving, but sitting in your car, or you can be anywhere really, and on your phone, just start flipping through and looking at things and buying them. Stuff that we just don't need. And so maybe you're looking around and you see something cool and you think to yourself, boy, I want that. Or, or maybe you see someone, a friend of yours, who has something and you think, wow, that's really, really neat. I, I, I need that. Or maybe for, for, for you, if, if you're like me, there are times where you've just had a bad week. And, and, and you know that you need something to make you feel better. And so you see something and you think, I, I deserve that. And we can easily get into this cycle where we buy something and, and it brings us a little bit of joy for just a little bit of time. And then after that, we forget about it. And it's not important anymore. Thank goodness for Amazon returns. <laughs> Otherwise, my house would be a nightmare right now. But it's a cycle that we can easily get trapped into, isn't it? Where, where we buy something, it gives us a little joy. The joy is, is so fleeting. And then we repeat it again and again and over and over again. And it's hard for us to recognize it, but I think that we all do know that joy from having stuff never lasts. Joy from having things never lasts. And we are drowning in things. I saw this, um, this uh, infographic online, and it said that if you added all of the storage units, the self-storage units that there are in the United States today, it would cover 85 square miles. Now, I know that's kind of an abstract kind of a, a, a number, so let me put it to you this way. If you were on the Golden Gate Bridge, came down the 101 through San Francisco, Daly City, all the way down to the San Mateo Bridge... That entire area is 85 square miles. And we have that covered with just self-storage units. And that doesn't include the stuff that we have stored in our garages, in our uh, closets, under our beds, in the spare bedroom, in the trunk of our cars. There's a guy down the street from me who has a van and it's parked out front on the street and that's where he stores his stuff because you look inside and there's boxes of, of food and, and not food, but uh, like, actually there is some food in there. He's got some sodas and he's got water bottles and he stores it in his van because there's just no more space. Last year in the United States alone, we spent $38 billion on self-storage. 38 billion. That is enough to solve the water problem, to provide clean water to everyone in the world twice. That's how much 
we are spending. And not only do we feel the drive to, to buy new stuff, we have a hard time letting go of the old stuff. And because of that, we're driven to make more money to get more stuff. And it distracts us from the things that, that really matter, and, and it's a cycle. And it's a cycle that affects so many things. It, it affects our marriages. It affects our, our families. It affects our careers. It affects everything that we do. Because when our lives get so jammed in and so tight with stuff and with trying to get more and more stuff, we end up not having any room for Jesus to work in our lives. Because we've crowded him out. There's no more space. And see, the great thing about Jesus, and I know that there's some of you here who who may not believe. And I know that there's some of you who are watching us online today and you, you still are having trouble believing this. But Jesus was so wise, and he, the, one of the reasons he was so wise is because he knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he said this about us. Uh, this is something that was recorded in the book of Matthew. Uh, it was written by Matthew. Matthew was a friend of Jesus, and, and he recorded everything that he, he experienced with Jesus. And Matthew, quoting Jesus, he writes this. He says, don't, this is Jesus talking. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Now, when I used to read this verse growing up, I have to admit, when I saw the word treasure, I saw a pirate's chest. <laughs> right? It opened up, and, and, and there was like gold coins and jewels and a, and a gold sword. I mean, it was just a pirate's chest. That's what I thought of. But that's not what he's talking about here. See, there's no real great English translation for this. What he's trying to say, what he's using that word treasures to mean is, is the things that are important to our hearts. In other words, he's saying, don't let the things that are important to your heart be things that are here on earth. He says, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where things where thieves break in and steal. See, treasure isn't just money. Treasure isn't just stuff, but treasure is time. Treasure is relationships. There is treasure in different things because those are the things that we value. He goes on and he says this. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And see, in this, I mean, in this right here, Jesus is telling us, the same way that he told these guys who were listening to him 2,000 years ago, he's telling us the same thing today. Although we don't really worry too much about some of those things. I mean, we have cedar blocks and WD-40 and car alarms, right? But what he's saying here is, listen, the stuff that you have, the stuff that you're trying to accumulate, there are three things that come at it. Life comes at it. You know what else comes at it? Time comes at it. And the other thing that comes at it is people. Time, life, people come at it. In the same way that it did back then, it comes at it at us today. And so Jesus concludes it by saying this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other words, whatever your treasure, whatever you treasure has your heart. Whatever it is that is most important to you owns this right here. And so we're in this series. This is the second week of our series called Make Space. And what we've been talking about specifically is making financial space in our lives. And there's one thing that you and I already know. And that is that we only have a certain amount of space in our lives. 
There's only a certain amount of time. There's only a certain amount of things that we can deal with. There's only a certain amount of people. There's a maximum that we've got. And if we want to live the life that God is calling us to live, if we want to live the fullness of the life that God intended us to live, well, we can't do that if we are right up to the border, overflowing, worrying about the things that we want to have. That we are filling our lives with stuff and the desire to get more stuff, and it just gets too crowded in our lives. And so last week we, we talked about this, and, and, and one of the things that we said was, was that if we don't change what's going on up here and let it change what's going on in here, that we're never going to find any financial breathing room. And so we keyed in on this one thing about gratitude. And that is that gratitude reminds us who it's from and who it's for. Gratitude reminds us that everything that we have comes from God. And that because he's the one who owns it and we're the ones who have been entrusted with it, that everything we do should be for God. Gratitude reminds us that it's who it's from and who it's for. And I think one of the reasons that many of us have problems with this is because it's hard. It can be scary to take a look, an honest look, at our finances. And one, that's one of the things that we talked about last week. We went through all of these questions, questions that kind of made me nervous because I was going through them thinking, okay, where am I? And where, where have I been on this scale of I've got more than enough to I need help to get by? And it ends up that no matter where you are on that scale, whether you're struggling to get by every month or whether you have more than enough, that everybody still deals with the stress and the pressure of dealing with your stuff. And when that crowds out, there's no space for anything else. And it's hard for us because there is in this culture that we live in a pull and a desire for more. A few years back, they did the survey and they asked people who were making about $50,000 a year. So you know that this is like way, way back. Right? They were asking people, and they said, you're making $50,000 a year, right around that range. How much do you need so that you can live a peaceful but contented life? And they said about $102,000 was the, was the answer that they averaged out to be. Well, in the same survey, they found people who were making $100,000 a year, and they asked them, how much would you need to live a happy and contented and peaceful life? And they said about $220,000 a year. It doesn't matter where you are, you always want more. Uh, there's a great quote from John Rockefeller, who was one of the wealthiest men to ever live. And he said, and he was asked, how much money is enough? And his answer was, one dollar more. One dollar more. Which means it's never, ever going to be enough. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that. And we're going to just ask the question, how much stuff do I need? How much stuff do I need? But maybe the better question to ask is, how much stuff do I need to make me happy? And if we're honest about that for a second, and maybe I should just pause for a moment and let that sink in. How much stuff do I need to make me happy? I think through this question, what we're going to see is that there is something that has to be balanced, that if we're not happy and we've got stuff, it's because we haven't found that balance between being content with what we have, and being grateful for what we have. And so that's what I want to talk about today. The, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he talked about this, this whole idea of contentment. 
He wrote it in his, in his letter to the Philippians, and he says this. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. See, contentment doesn't come to us naturally. In fact, society and culture teach us that our value comes from what other people think of us. Isn't it? That we find our value from what other people think of us. And so we want to impress people. And what impresses people? Working hard and having a lot of stuff. At least for most of us, that's what we think. Right? The nicer car impresses people. The bigger house impresses people. The, the nicer watch, the, the nicer clothes, all of those things, stuff, impresses people. And so we start to think that our value comes from the things that are inside me. How much I work, how much money I have, how much stuff I have. And Paul says, listen, he doesn't say that, he doesn't say that he's discovered the secret of living in every situation. He doesn't say he's discovered the secret of contentment. He doesn't say it was given to him. He says that he has learned it. In other words, it's not something that we automatically have. It's something that there's a process that we have to go through in order to be contented. It's something that has to be learned. And the good news is, is that there is wisdom in Scripture that shows us how that we can learn to be contented. And to do that, there are three mental shifts that we have to make. And that's what we're going to to key on here is those three mental shifts that we need to do in order to learn to be contented. And the first one is this. To be content, I have to refuse to trade self for stuff. Self for stuff. Jesus once asked this really, really important question about our relationship to our stuff. He says this. He says, and what do you benefit? If you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul. See, while there is a, a, a certain amount of things in our lives that we need, we need to have, there comes a point when accumulating wealth and accumulating stuff no longer brings us happiness. And the reason that we know this is because some of the richest people in the world are some of the unhappiest people in the world. And as we gain more and more stuff our concept of what a need is changes, right? The guy who was making $50,000 a year, his concept of need is very different than the guy who was making $100,000 a year. Because the guy who's making $100,000 a year has a lot more things in his life that he absolutely needs. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't need air conditioning. Now I'm an old man, I need air conditioning sometimes. (laughs) Right? The things that we need changes, even if you live here. And the thing that most, for most of us, the thing that drives our needs, the things that we say are the things that we need, is just one thing. It's fear. Fear drives our needs because we're afraid to let people down. Right? That we, 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 are, we have people in our lives, our parents, our spouses, our, our, our family, they're all... Uh, we feel this pressure to be successful. We feel this pressure to, to live up to what, what they want. Sometimes we feel this pressure because we have to provide for them and to show that we can do things that, that maybe for some of us that they expected us to do and for some of us that they never expected us to do. And we wanted to show them, yeah, I can accomplish that. Some of us are afraid of, 
of, of the people who are around us, our friends, our siblings, that we are competing with them all the time and, and we don't want them to, to ridicule us or to look down at us. And so we, we work really, really hard. And some of us are afraid that we aren't enough with what we have, with the things that we have in our lives. And we give in to envy and we give in to unhealthy ambition. And the thing about money and the thing about our stuff is that even though they feel like that's the way to prove how much we're worth, it's not the way to win in life. And for too many of us, for too many of us, we often confuse our self-worth with our net worth. That's why financial security here in, in our country is such a problem. Across the board in the United States, we spend 103% of what we make. Think about that. We spend 103% of what we make. And we're overwhelmed with advertisements for the next new thing that we absolutely have to have. Right? They, and they know this because they've already designed the new iPhone before the previous iPhone is even out on the market. They have it planned so that you're going to be always buying something new. And then we're surrounded with these, your pre-qualified, unlimited, double miles, uh, cashback offers so that we get to this place where basically the message is this. You can have this thing before you can afford this thing. And so we end up with more and more stuff and chasing material things that end up so many times hurting our families, hurting our careers, even hurting our marriages. The average uh, person in the United States works 47 hours a week. I want to know who that guy is. I want his job. Those 47 hours are hours that we're not spending with our family. They're hours that we're not spending serving our community. They're hours that we're not spending spending time with God. And it turns out that the stress from work and the stress from our finances are the leading causes of doctor visits in the United States. 75% of doctor visits are related to stress. And most of that stress comes from money problems, money issues. And so we end up paying for our stuff, not just with our money, but we're actually paying for them with our lives. And this is not the way that God intended for us to live. In fact, Scripture tells us that this way of life Pursuing stuff is meaningless. In Ecclesiastes 4.4, the author says this. He says, Then I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Think about that. Where mo- most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. Like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. See, it's good to want to provide for your family. It's good to want to have enough to be a blessing to other people. But there is a big difference between working hard and wearing yourself out. And if what motivates us to work 
is fear that people were gonna look, are going to look down on it, at us, fear that we're not going to measure up because we measure ourselves by our stuff, then we're never ever going to get to a place where God has room in our lives to work. What God wants, and I think what we all want, is to find a place where we have an equal measure of, of hard work and contentment in our lives. Because there's nothing wrong with hard work. But it's good to be content with the work that we do. And so the questions that we need to ask ourselves, and, and, and I think the question that we all need to take a look at is, if we're too busy, if we're completely driven by stuff, then we have to ask, why is it that I'm doing this? And so here's a series of questions that kind of hone in on this whole idea of why am I doing this? How about what is the most important thing or things in my life? How is what I am devoting my time to align with that? Do I find joy in what I'm doing? Do my work and possessions bring me an equal measure of peace? See, all of those questions, if we look at them, all of those questions kind of key us into this thing of, to this whole idea of, if I am pushed to the edges, if I'm pushed to the limit, what is the reason? Why is it that I'm doing that? And Scripture tells us, God's Word says, that the key is to balance. The key is to make sure that while, yes, it's good to work hard, but to find contentment in the things that our hard work gets us. So that we're not always looking for the next thing. So that our heart isn't always chasing after what is next. Now, I know that, you know, there's very few of us who can just say, okay, that sounds good. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and I'm not going to work anymore. Yeah, I don't want to do that. But we can prioritize things. We can change what's important. We can move a little bit around and find that balance. That maybe we spend a little bit less time on our overtime hours and, and more time on our in-time family hours. Where we can uh, save some time and push some time so that sometimes instead of just trying to find other things to do for work, that we can spend some time volunteering during the month. We can also prioritize how we spend our money. How, where we allocate things. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of, uh, uh, embarrassed to admit this, but between um, my, my, my children who I love very much, just in case they're listening. <laughs> there's, almost no, there's almost no subscription TV service that we don't have. We've got them all. Some of them, like I, I do one because it has Star Trek on it. <clears throat> so that one's a key one. But there's others that they come with this and they come with that. And listen, we have all of these apps on our TV that we can watch just about anything and I can never find anything to watch. There's just, it's not that there's too many, it's just I've seen it all already. And I wonder to myself, okay, listen, what if, what if, what if we made the decision that there are some things that we can live without intentionally? That we say that there are things in our life that we want, but you know what? I'm going to make the decision that this thing that I want, I'm going to put it aside. And I'm going to do something with that, even if it's only $5.99 a month. Man, am I putting myself into a hole here. And putting it towards something that's important rather than towards something that just brings me fleeting pleasure 
and frustration when the Wi-Fi isn't working. (laughs) See, we need to refuse to trade self for stuff. But the second thing that we have to to remember is that if we're going to be content, we have to, to realize that we need to look at money from this perspective. We need to use money, not chase it. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now see, you you probably have heard this many times in your life, but most people, when they hear it, they hear that money is the root of all evil. Well, it's not. Money is not the root of all evil. I I can't remember who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody a a few days ago, and and I I told them that um, money and and marriage um, are do not change you, they amplify who you are. And so that's why, you know, I, I, I tell people when they're getting married, and especially women, and this is not a knock on you women, because you have great hearts and you have great optimism and you think you're going to change your husband when he, once you get married, and you're not. Because marriage is an amplifier of what's already in there. And it's the same thing with money. And so when we love money, it is that love of money that gets amplified the more that we get it the more that the stuff is inside us. See, money isn't not the problem. God is not anti-money. God is not saying, listen, we all have to live poor and give all of our money away. That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, Scripture tells us that he wants us to live a life of abundance. You see, money provides for our needs. And money is the method that we use to be able to bless other people. The real problem isn't money, it's the love of money. And what God is concerned about is not us having money. God isn't concerned about us, about money having us. He's concerned that we don't fall in love with money. Because when you fall in love with something, you do stupid things for it. Can I get an amen? Huh? Gentlemen, right? The first time you see her, you're doing stupid. You're driving four hours to see her for 30 minutes to drive four hours back. Because we do stupid things for the things that we love, or the people that we love. We do the same thing for money. That if you were to say to somebody, hey, listen, you're going to have a family, but I want, you to, I, want, I want you to spend 60 hours a week away from your family. And, and you're going to have a lot of money, but you're not going to know who your children are. Most of us here today would say that's crazy, and yet it's the trap that we fall into because of the love of money, because it blinds us. Not, see, money has this thing about it that there's a promise to fix all of our problems. That we tend to think that if I just had a little bit more money, that everything that was wrong in my life, I could solve. Like As soon as I get that raise, I can finally relax. As soon as I close one more deal, I can finally exhale. As soon as this happens, or as soon as that happens. And it's all just an illusion. It's not really true. There's, um, I don't know if you guys know where this picture is from. It's, it's Main Street, USA at Disneyland, which I don't go to anymore because my kids are grown. But right here is the Blue Ribbon Bakery on Main Street. And at the Blue Ribbon Bakery, they sell cookies that are way, way too expensive. But you know, they sell a lot of them, and they smell, they, they smell, 
They sell a lot of those cookies because of something they invented calling, called the smellitizer. The smellitizer. Now, the smellitizer that is something that they have at all of the Disney properties outside all of the bakeries. And what it does is, is it pumps out the smell of fresh baked cookies into the street. So that as you walk by the bakery, you smell these cookies and you think, I have got to have one of those. Clearly, they were just baked, even though they had been unwrapped in plastic for a couple of days. And they walk in and they sell tons of these cookies. Well, one day, one day the ovens at the, at the bakery in, at Disneyland, they broke. And so they didn't have cookies that day. But no one told the guy who turns on the smellitizer. And so they were pumping out this fresh chocolate chip cookie smell onto Main Street. And people were going, mm, and they were walking into the bakery, but there were no cookies. It was just an illusion. And money does the same thing to us. It creates a craving in us for something more. And the more that we get it, the more that we get it, at the very end of it, it's just an illusion. That thing that we thought we were going to get is not really there. So, if to be content, we need to refuse to trade self for stuff. If to be content, we need to... To, to be at this place where we use money, not chase money. But to be content, we also have to enjoy what we have. Appreciation for what we already have is, is an important way to control our desire to want to have more. Listen to what um, it says here in Ecclesiastes 5. It says, and it is a good thing. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. It sounds so simple, but it is surprisingly difficult. Because we're either driven to achieve the next thing or we don't want to stop because we're afraid we're not going to keep up. Or sometimes we even feel like we don't deserve the things that we already have. And we can let that sense of guilt keep us from appreciating the gifts that we've been given. In 2005, um, I was living in Florida, and uh, I used to love the day after Christmas. You know why? Because the day after Christmas is when they put everything on sale. And I used to love to go to the mall and check out all of the things that are now 70% off. Well, in 2000, Christmas of 2005, I went to the mall and I, I was shopping around and I found this really, really beautiful sweater vest. And I love sweater vests. I used to wear them all the time. I don't wear them as much anymore, but I still have a closet full of them. This one was beautiful. It was white. It had a nice crisp blue snowflake pattern that was woven into it. And it was great. And I thought to myself, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to save it for Christmas next year. And so I bought it. I wrapped it in, in, in white tissue to, to make sure that it would stay and, and not get wrinkled or anything. And I put it in a box, letting it go for Christmas. And uh, that box stayed on a, in a, on a shelf in my closet. And then it got put onto a moving van. 
and then it went into storage over here uh, when we moved it back out here, and then it went from storage to the closet again, and it's been sitting there. And last year, I finally went through that box, and I found my sweater vest, and it was still beautiful, and it still smelled like the department store. I was so happy. And I thought to myself, yes, I'm finally going to get to wear it. Yes. <sighs> Apparently too many real chopped chocolate chip cookies over the years. And, and, and uh, this last Christmas, I tried to put it on. Yeah, it came to about here. And I know it's hilarious, and I'm sure that it's not the only thing that I have that's like that. But don't we all have that? Don't we all have stuff in our lives that we're putting away for the right time or a special occasion or the right moment? I mean, we all have china that we don't use, right? We all have the box of silverware that we only put out at Christmas, which is very suspect. Because if you're only using it once a year, I don't know if you can ever get it clean. See, the perfect opportunity never, ever comes. It never, ever comes. And as long as we are drawn into that illusion that we need to accumulate things so that we can have them for those special opportunities, that, that it's better to hold on to stuff, to own stuff, than it is to use stuff, then we're never going to get to a place where we'll be content with what God gives us. And that we can look at our hard work and balance it with contentment for what we have and say, man, I'm living a good life. Because for many of us, we think that we're not. And we're still looking for, to get over that next hill, thinking that's going to be the one that is going to get us to where we want to be. So what's the key to enjoying our lives, to being content with our stuff? It's just one thing. It's gratitude. Being grateful for every little thing. Being grateful for the things that come into our lives. Last week, one of the things that we said was that gratitude reminds us who it's from and who it's for. And today, I hope that we're going to come away with this idea that gratitude prioritizes using our stuff over owning it. That the reason that God puts things and stuff into our lives is not so that we can hoard it and keep it for that imaginary time that it's going to be perfect to put it out but that God blesses us with things so that we can be blessed and so that we can bless other people. And we get to that place where we see that gratitude is what prioritizes that. Then we can be grateful in everything, for everything that comes. I used to be grateful for that parking space that was right by the front. Now I'm not because I need to walk more. But we get, you, know, you can get to this place where you're thankful and grateful to God for everything. Not just the big things, but the little things, everything that comes in your life. Because when you get to that place where we recognize that everything that comes into our life comes from God, then it helps us to be thankful. It helps us to be content with the things that God puts in front of us. Gratitude reminds us who it's from and who it's for and gratitude prioritizes using our stuff over owning our stuff. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. 
Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.